0: Today's Bible reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, eighteen twenty-one to 35. Then Peter came up to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sinned against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not, not seven times, but 77 times. Mm-hmm. Therefore, Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had mercy on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart.
1: When I was younger, um, talking uh, between the ages of 13 and 16, I used to play footy. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. Um, I wasn't the best player, but I was decent enough. It was lots of fun. But then I got a a job working weekends, life got a bit busier, and I stopped playing. Fast forward three years on from that, and I moved out of home, went away to uni, and in in the first week of uni there, look, there was the footy club, and they were looking for people to sign up and play with them, new recruits. And so I thought, yeah, that's me, absolutely. I, I love playing footy. I was okay at it, lots of fun. What could go wrong here? Well, what went wrong was that I'd forgotten something. Playing footy is great, it's a lot of fun, but there's a tougher side to it as well. You had to be fit, and if you weren't, which I discovered pretty quickly I wasn't, you really didn't stand a chance. So I rocked up to the first training session all keen, and before that training session was halfway over, I knew I was not coming back to this team at all. Planning footy is fun, but there's a tougher side to it. And Christianity is somewhat like that. Christianity is great. There is so much good. You know, Jesus says to you, if, if you're a believer, that you're forgiven. He says, I'll give you a fresh start. I'll give you a community to be part of. You can be 100% assured of God's love for you. In fact, God has adopted you into his family. He guarantees you a brilliant future. Christianity is great news for everyone, but there's a tougher side too, isn't there? Jesus also says to his followers things like, uh, you need to give up your life for me. He, He tells us, you need to change the way you are living to repent and follow me. He even tells us, that we are going to need to forgive people who've done us harm and done us wrong. And it's that last one that we're really looking at today. Today we're doing just a one-off talk on forgiving others. It's a hard topic because it involves hurt. Uh, C.S. Lewis was the guy who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, a big thinker, back a while ago. This is what he said about forgiveness. He said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. And it's true, isn't it? Forgiveness sounds really nice. But when the rubber hits the road, it's a hard thing to do. So today we're going to delve into this topic. What does it mean to actually forgive someone? Why should I do it? And how do I actually go about doing it too? And just to remind us, Ada said there's going to be a time for Q&A later. So if you've got questions, we'll, we'll, we'll get time for them as well. Now, the first thing <clears throat> that we really need to see from the Bible is this. Uh, followers of Jesus are told to forgive. People who follow Jesus are, are told to forgive those who wrong them. Uh, Jeff just read this part of the Bible out from us. And it's really clear, wasn't it? and there we saw peter one of the 12 disciples he comes up to jesus and he asks, jesus lord how many times should i forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times that's pretty generous isn't it like if someone does the same thing to you seven times it's going to take a lot of forgiveness to get there but jesus replies no not seven times but 77 times and actually, the thing here is Jesus is not saying keep track of it so that when they do, when they, when they do it the 78th time, or well finally you can say no, no, you can stop forgiving. Jesus is saying you need to do away with limits here. There should be no restrictions. My, my, my followers are to forgive and forgive and keep on forgiving. And then he told us a story to show us what he means. There's a king settling his accounts, and he finds this servant who owes him a lot of money. 10,000 bags of gold. Literally, it's 10,000 talents. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. It's like saying zillions of dollars. Literally, um, it would take 60 million working days to pay off this debt. Well, let me put that into perspective for a bit. If you lived to be 80 and you worked every day from your birth until your death, then you would need to do that 2,000 times, 2,000 lifetimes before you could pay off this debt. It is huge, a ridiculous amount of money. And then we get what I think is one of the funniest lines in this story. The servant gets down on his knees and he begs the king. He says, I will pay back everything. That's laughable. He, He can't pay back. There's no way. He is just too big. But the king takes pity on him. He's moved within himself. He he has compassion. And he cancels the debt. And this servant goes free. It's quite a nice story so far, isn't it? Really nice. But then it takes a turn. This servant, he goes out. And he finds a second servant who owes him 100 silver coins. Uh, One silver coin was the average daily wage. So 100 silver coins, we're talking around, in, in, in today's terms, we're talking around about $20,000. That's the debt. Which is not small, is it? Like If someone owed me 20 grand, I'd kind of want it back. But compare the two debts for a moment. This debt that the, 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 the second servant owes... It is zero 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 one six seven of what the first servant owed the king. Now, I don't know if you can do math very well. Right. I can't. But I can tell. 20 grand isn't nothing. But compared to what the first servant owed the king, it's, it's trivial. So you see, the second servant does the same thing as the first one. He gets down on his knees and he begs, Oh, give me time. I'll pay it back. And the sting in the story is that the first servant says, no, he refuses to have mercy. Even after what's been done to him, he refuses to have compassion. So the other servants see this, they're looking on, and they go and tell the king what's happened. They're disturbed, and the king calls in this first servant to account, and he says, you wicked servant. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And the first servant is thrown into jail. And in case you missed the point, Jesus says clearly what this story is about in verse 35. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's impossible to miss here, isn't it, friends? Followers of Jesus are told to forgive. And not in a way where they just say the words. Not in a way where they just kind of move on and pretend nothing has happened. But to, to forgive from their hearts. It is, is true and genuine forgiveness. And this kind of thing is not just in one little isolated corner of the Bible. It's everywhere in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and it includes that famous line, Forgive us our debts, our sins, as we've forgiven our debtors, those who sin against us. And even afterwards, just a couple of verses later, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, Your Father will not forgive your sins. Or another part of the Bible, a letter to the Ephesian church, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Or again, in the letter to the Colossian church, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, time and time again, isn't it? It's clear. Followers of Jesus are told to forgive. So let me just offer a few reflections on this. Firstly, Jesus is only calling on those people who have been forgiven to show this kind of forgiveness. This is not something that he's commanding for everyone, everywhere. He's saying this to those who are following him. In, in the story about the king and the servants, Jesus, right at the start, he says, this is what it's like for those in the kingdom. In the verses from Ephesians and Colossians, it says to forgive as God has forgiven you. That is, Jesus is calling on those who have been forgiven, who are followers of him, to show this kind of forgiveness. So if you're here today and you're not really sure about all this Jesus stuff, Jesus is not actually telling you to go out and forgive others. It might be fine if you want to go and do that. That's great. But, but actually Jesus is telling you something else. He wants something else from you and it's this. He wants you to experience the forgiveness that God has in store for you he wants you to pray to God to confess the wrongs in your past and to experience the forgiveness to have the forgiveness that God will give you why not do that today and if you do, can I say, it would be great if you could let someone know. Just tap me on the shoulder. find Ada, tap her on the shoulder. If you've got a, a Christian friend you trust, let them know. But Jesus is saying his followers are to show this same kind of forgiveness. Second, we're to show this kind of forgiveness to everyone. Now, Jesus does at times tell us particularly to forgive our other Christians, our brothers and sisters, You saw that at the end of Matthew eighteen, Jesus says, forgive your brother or sister. Or or again in Ephesians and Colossians, it's talking about life in the church and forgiving each other. So can I just actually make the point there? This is this is a, a bit of a side note, but but Jesus is saying then, you're going, did you notice he says you're going to need to forgive people who are in church here with you? He's saying that, that we don't always get it right in church. We're still going to stuff up. And even us too here in our church, not just the other churches out there somewhere. So be prepared. There's going to be relational conflict in our church. And when it happens, what we need to do is not just kind of walk out and walk off to find another church. But what we need to do is to mend bridges. To come back and to forgive one another. Jesus is telling us to forgive each other in our church, but it's not limited to that. Remember what he said after he was teaching on prayer? He tells us to forgive other people who sin against us. Not limiting it to just other Christians, but any person. That is, we should particularly see Christian forgiveness here in the church but it's also got to overflow in how we relate to every person. Third thing, in the story about the unforgiving servant, did you notice? Um, the, the servant doesn't forgive, he, he, he just hasn't grasped the debt that he'd been forgiven. He'd forgotten how much he'd been forgiven. See, part of forgiving other people is recognizing the pain that I've caused. Not just to other people, but to God himself. See, if you're anything like me, I like to downplay my sin. Oh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't really that bad in the big scheme of things. You know, there are all sorts of reasons why I did it. Mitigating circumstances. I'm really not that bad. In fact... Of all the people God has to forgive, I'm probably the one that he finds it easy to do it with. I'd never say that out loud, but it's probably true, isn't it? But the story that Jesus tells, it reminds me really deeply of my debt to God. So if forgiving others is hard for me, then perhaps I need to spend a bit of time reflecting on my own sin. Or even asking God to to show me my own sin more clearly. That's not a nice thing to think about. But it's a good thing to do if it leads me to delight in the, in the richness, in the height and depth and length and breadth of Christ's love for me, in God's loving forgiveness of me. And then to have that same heart of forgiveness toward others. Fourth reflection, forgiveness is costly. Think about the king in that story again. There's there's a huge cost to him to forgive the debt. Zillions of dollars, 10,000 bags of gold. And when he forgave the servant, he bore that cost. He didn't get that money. It was a write-off. And that's something we need to remember when we're forgiving others too. There's actually a cost involved in this. It's going to cost us. We'll be bearing the cost. But in this, again, we see a a wonderful picture of of God's forgiveness toward us. My debt is huge before God. And it matters. But in comparison... Sorry, sorry, but, but 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 in His compassion, God bears the cost of my debt. He takes that on Himself in the person of Jesus. It's it's fully and totally forgiven, never to be brought up and revisited again. Her forgiveness is costly, but remember, friends, the cost that God bears to forgive you. followers of jesus are told to forgive but i want to turn back to some practical questions these are the three things i asked at the start what does it actually mean to forgive someone why do it and and how how do i go about it firstly what is forgiveness what's actually what does it actually mean to forgive someone Forgiveness is a decision. Uh, When someone does something wrong to you, forgiveness is that decision that you make where you won't hold it against them anymore. Where you won't repeat the incident over and over in your head. Where you you say, I'm not going to take revenge on them for what they did. It's the decision to, to not bring it up and use it against them, to hold it over them. Forgiveness is a decision that says, it's done. The issue's over. It's finished. Notice, though, and this is a really important point, forgiveness is not reconciliation. And forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that reconciliation has happened. So, let me explain that a little bit. Reconciliation is where a relationship is restored back to good health again. Where people have said sorry and they've repented, where bridges have been mended. And actually, when you see that happening, it's a really beautiful thing, isn't it? And I reckon where we can, we ought to strive for reconciliation. But reconciliation is a two-way street. The person who's done wrong needs to repent and the person who's been wrong needs to accept their apology. And there may be other steps involved in that as well. But it's it's a two-way street because both people need to be moving towards each other. That's different from forgiveness. In forgiveness, I'm choosing not to hold something against that person. They might be repentant. They might not. They may not even know they've done anything wrong. But I can still make that decision... To forgive them, to not hold it against them. You see, there's a difference between reconciliation and forgiveness, and this is important because we are told to forgive. And we can do it, even if they do nothing. Reconciliation, though, is different. We can't force it to happen because it's a two way street. But that does raise a question why should I forgive? yeah you know, I know the Bible says so, but it can be hard at the best of times and what about especially especially if they don't if they don't even think they've done anything wrong in the first place? Why should I forgive? I say that when you think about it, forgiveness is a good thing it's a good thing for you, and without it, bitterness and and resentment can can fester away and and If bitterness and resentment are festering, it's hard to to be joyful. So forgiving, actually, is going to do you good. It can be a good thing, actually, for the person who's done you wrong, too. It can free them of feelings of guilt and shame. It's actually a gift that you can give to someone, offering your forgiveness. A beautiful gift. Forgiveness is a good thing for the world out there, because to see it, it's actually a lovely thing. And it's a living example of, of, of the gospel, of God's forgiveness of us, a living example to the world. And well, we know this, don't we? Forgiveness is what God desires from us. We've seen this from the Bible. God wants us to forgive. And so you get to please your Lord and God when you do that in your life. Forgiveness is decision there's lots of good reasons to do it but but it's still really hard isn't it let 's talk practically how how do we actually go about doing this then? I think it's helpful at this point to talk about uh, two different kinds of categories in the first one there's there's smaller things to forgive, oh, you know he said this about me, and she 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 spoke harshly to me, oh, you know that time they just went behind my back, and they did that thing and there are smaller things to forgive. And the thing I think you need to do here is think Frozen. Uh, not that you need to freeze these people out of your life, but think the Disney movie Frozen. You know, you know, you know what was the big song from Frozen 1? Let it go. If you haven't heard it, just find my daughter later and ask her. Even, what's, tell me, let it go. What's that song? You know the one. Uh, da da uh, Sorry, that's going to be an earworm now. But, but that's what we need to do with the smaller things in life. That's what forgiveness looks like. Let it go. Just move on. Let it be in the past. Don't make it into something bigger than it is. Make the decision not to hold it against them. Let it go. Maybe if this is something that keeps happening, like a repeated small thing over and over and over again, maybe ask a wise friend for advice. But when it comes to these smaller things, just let it go. But there's another kind of thing to forgive too. It's, it's the bigger stuff. These are the things that leave a mark. It, it, it's the kind of stuff that, that, that you, you carry emotional and mental and, and, and sometimes even physical scars from. The kind of stuff that you can't let it go because of the nature of it and the hurt involved. How do you forgive then? It's tricky. And, and the truth is, there's no simple kind of one plan that you just roll out time and time again that works for everyone, everywhere, all of the time. But I think there are some useful ideas or, or principles that we can take away, that we can put into practice. Just three of them for now. Here they are. The first one is this. For the big things, often what you need is time. It takes time. And I don't mean, sometimes, I don't even mean just kind of months and years, but sometimes it takes decades to forgive. Because sin hurts. The the, the cuts run deep. And sometimes the impact of someone's sin on you and your life and the grief that it causes, it can actually take time, a long time, for it to come out and for you to even be aware of it. So That just means forgiveness is not going to be a quick thing. True forgiveness from the heart is not going to be a quick thing. And it may just be that you don't only need time, but you also need space, like like physical distance, to to, to get away from the person who's done this, who's hurt you. But here's the thing while we're taking that time, while while we're getting space, we need to keep asking, where am I heading? Where am I heading? What's my trajectory? Where am I going? Am I slipping slowly and slowly more and more towards bitterness and hostility and rage? Or or am I taking the slow, even sometimes baby steps, slowly walking towards forgiveness? Where am I heading here? Second principle... um, Forgiveness does not mean things need to return back to the way they were before. Even if reconciliation happens, that doesn't mean things need to go back to the way they were before. Because in these big things, trust has been broken. And trust, it takes time to rebuild. And sometimes it's just not right to put people in a position where they've shown they've got a problem. Let me give you an example here. Imagine our our church finances are being looked after by someone, and, and over time we find out they've actually dipped their money into our church finances. They've taken out money to fund their gambling habit. What do we do then? Well, we might take time, but we'll forgive them. We're going to support them, make sure they get the help that they need. But here's something we're not going to do. We're not going to make them our church treasurer again. It's not good for them. It's not good for us. It's not good for anyone. Things don't need forgiveness. Doesn't mean things need, must go back to the way they were before. Yeah, forgiveness doesn't make you a pushover. Which actually leads on to the, to the third principle. The last thing I want to say now forgiveness doesn't mean that justice should be forgotten. You can go home and read Romans 12 and 13. In Romans 12, and um, We're reminded that God is the one who brings justice. He will right the wrongs of our lives, and that frees us up. It means that we don't have to seek vengeance now, because we can leave that to God. But then again, in chapter 13, we find out that actually God has given us governments, authorities, and they are here for our good. They're there to commend those who do right and to punish those who do wrong. So, back to forgiveness. If a criminal act has occurred... You can forgive someone, but it's still right to go and report it to the police and let the justice system do its work. It's God's good instrument for us. Forgiveness does not mean that justice needs to be forgotten. Now there's heaps more to say here, isn't there? I feel like I've barely scratched the surface um, But better than me keep going on is that we take a moment and we do some question and answer time. So we're going to take 30 seconds or so. Stand up, stretch, let the blood pump again in through your body. Um, And in about 30 seconds, I'm going to come back up here and we're going to keep going with a bit of Q&A. All righty. Why don't you come in and grab a seat? Um, I noticed a couple of our kids have come back. So um, kids, go and find your parents. Um, and as Scott said, we're going to um, spend a couple of minutes just uh, giving you guys a chance to um, ask some of the questions that may have come out of uh, Scott's talk or um, related to forgiveness as you've been thinking about it for yourself. So what's going to happen is I've got my roving mic, uh, so I'll come around and I'll probably I'll just hold the mic in front of you for you to ask the questions, but just shoot up your hand if you have something and I'll do my best to run over to you. Um, perhaps uh, explain... Uh, what the forgiveness looks like, particularly in terms of the interaction with uh, reconciliation. So you said reconciliation and forgiveness are different things, but it seems ridiculous to me that particularly if a Christian has hurt you, that you don't first try and um, uh, have some sort of reconciliation, make it clear that they've actually done something and then talk through what what it is they've done. At the end of that, they may still blow you off, and you may need to uh, f- uh, f- forgive them, but surely the first part is an attempt at reconciliation? Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably right, Wayne. Um, that is, the different situations and circumstances will, will will make that possible or not. Um, but I think you're right. It, it, the heart of God for, f- for human relationships is reconciliation. Um, and so it's... I think that's a, an excellent one to strive for, um, but like I said, it's a two-way street. You can't force that to happen. So sometimes you, you may get to a point where, um, you know, I've I've done something to Ada. I, I'm I'm really I'm I don't think I have. I'm saying no, 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 no. It's your problem, and you just deal with it. Um, after some point in trying to work towards reconciliation she, she just might realize it's not going to happen she can't force me there and so the thing the thing that the Bible tells her to do is to forgive um, she can't force that reconciliation and I at the end of the day I'd, I'm going to be accountable to God for making sure that happens but that's a really helpful comment it's a good good, good thing to strive for reconciliation as part of that forgiveness They are different things and you can't force one of them but it's good to strive for that absolutely yep. thank you Wayne any other questions? Just in the parable, like the master forgives the servant uh, the first servant,
0: but then later withdraws it
1: ah what 's the going has has the master withdrawn his his forgiveness um, uh, that is i I think the 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 actions of the servant so so one of the things is you you, you don 't want to be too quick from moving from the story which is there to show us one point, and Jesus tells us the point the point is um, uh, this is how my heavenly Father will treat you if you don't forgive. But, but you don't want to draw all of the little intricacies of the story over into what God is like. Jesus is making a one point with the story, but he's not saying that the Master is exactly like this king. That, sorry, that, that God is exactly like this king. Um, so it, it, does this mean that um, God withdraws forgiveness? No, I think, I think um, uh, what it's showing us is that God's offer of forgiveness is open to all. Absolutely everyone, there's no one that God will say, no, I can't forgive you, I won't forgive you. But, but there's also a point at which if we have a hard and unforgiving heart, it's a sign that actually things are still not right between us and our master. I don't, I'm not saying that means that you need to forgive instantly. Remember, sometimes forgiveness takes time and you need to take that time to genuinely work at that in your heart. Um, but a constant hardness and unforgiving heart may be a sign that actually you have not, uh, you, ha- you haven't dealt rightly with your master first and been forgiven by him. Yeah, good question, Mark. Thank you. I know there's probably plenty more questions, uh, but uh, but Scott, you're going to end with sure. yes. a couple of questions for us. Here you go. I've got three questions to leave you with. Firstly, have you accepted God's forgiveness yet? Maybe today is the day you need to do that. Secondly, do you need to ask someone for their forgiveness? Have you done wrong and need to ask someone for their forgiveness? Thirdly, is there someone that you need to forgive? or at least start walking down that road towards forgiveness with them. That's what I want to leave you with. We're going to sing a song that reminds us again of God's gracious and forgiving heart toward us. So let's stand up and finish today by singing Amazing Grace.